All right. So this morning, this message title is, Let Me Tell You What God Did For Me. And I didn't come up with that. <laughs> That's actually scripture. So um, as I've been learning to follow the Holy Spirit, I find more often than not, he leads me by nudges. I, I haven't had any skywriting yet. I don't get a lot of thus saith the Lord. I'm open to it, but I haven't had that. Um, but just the slightest nudge. Look in this direction. I'm so sorry. Among other things, my nose itches. Okay. Um, but just by the slightest uh, nudge in this direction or that direction, and I'm always, I don't know why I'm surprised, but I'm all, a little bit surprised, but I'm always thrilled when I, when I go that direction, when I feel like he's nudging me, there he is, and he's got something for me. I'm like, God, you're so cool. I just love that you do that for me. So, and that's how this message was prepared, just nudge by nudge, right up to and including this morning. <laughs> Isn't that special? So we're going to start with Psalm 66, 16 through 20, and in the Message Bible. Um, but this is where the message came from. All believers, come here and listen. Let me tell you what God did for me. I called out to him with my mouth. My tongue shaped the sounds of music. If I had been cozy with evil, the Lord would never have listened. But he most surely did listen. He came on the double when he heard my prayer. Blessed be God. He didn't turn a deaf ear. He stayed with me, loyal in his love. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. And even right up to this morning, and I hope you'll forgive me, but I'll have to do this maybe once or twice. Right up to this morning, okay, we have this book on our kitchen table. I know I'm messing up the sound. We have this book on our kitchen table. I'm real classy, aren't I? This is classy preaching. Okay. And it's, it's older than dirt. How long have you had this book? A long time. But this is a book that Kenneth E. Hagen put together that is a daily devotional. And literally, there's a devotion for each day of the year. And it's called Faith Food. And when I, I just, and I never pick it up in the morning. I, this was a nudge. And I picked it up and I read it. And this is what it says for today. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Carnal just means fleshly and of this world. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's found in 2 Corinthians 10.4. And then the devotion goes on with, although we have been made new creatures, although we are created by God in Christ Jesus, and although we are transferred out from under Satan's authority, we still live in a world ruled by Satan. The Bible calls Satan the God of this world. That's in 2 Corinthians 4.4. Satan is also called the prince of the power of the air. That's Ephesians 2.2. And Jesus himself called Satan the prince of this world in John 12, excuse me, John 12.31, 14 and 30, and 16.11. According to the word of God, the very air about us is filled with hostile forces attempting to destroy our fellowship with God the Father and to deprive us of our usefulness in the master's service. But our Father God, in his great provision and plan of redemption, has given us a weapon to use against Satan. That weapon 
uh, is given to us not only for ourselves, but also for the benefit of the Satan-ruled men and women around us. That woman is the name of Jesus. And it always, every, it always ends with a confession, so I'm going to make you do a little work now. So we're going to repeat this confession after me, please. The weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I can pull them down with the mighty name of Jesus. Satan is no match for that name. And that name is a mighty weapon given to me to use against the forces of the enemy. Amen? Amen. And I want to read you one more scripture. In Revelation chapter 12, excuse me, verses 10 and 11. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Who's the accuser of the brethren? Satan. That's right. He has been cast down, which accused them before God. Them is us before our God day and night. This is where I want to get to. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. And we thank you that you never, ever give up on us. We thank you that your love for us is incomprehensible. It is so great. And we thank, I thank you, Father, that we're going to be exploring the depths of your love for us for eternity. For today, I ask you to fill my mouth with your words and minister to the people here and the people who are with us by live stream. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen? So let me tell you what God did for me. And it goes back a long way because I was raised in a denominational church, not one that preached the born-again message. Um, and, but you know what? We, there was a reverence in the, in the denomination I was raised in. And we loved God as best we could, as, as much as we knew him. Um, but it took a while until I was in a position to hear that there was more than just going to church and holy days of obligation and so on and so forth. But I can tell you that the Lord has been with me all my life, even when I didn't realize that the Lord was with me during my life. When I was a 10-year-old child, I experienced tragedy for the first time in my life. My, I had a six-year-old brother, and he was killed. He was hit by a car, and he died instantly. And there were five of us children, um, but and I was only 10. It was one of those things that when I got to be an adult, I realized that's nothing that a normal, well, I shouldn't say normal, that most 10-year-olds experience or have an understanding of but I remember at the time just watching everybody around me especially the grown-ups and I'd never seen a grown grown-up broken before I never saw a grown-up expressing uh, sadness to the degree that I saw it then and 
I guess maybe that gave me a sense that we're all the same people. We're just, as we get older, we get older and we know more. But my parents had the same feelings that I had, and, and even more so. But God was there. I believe with all my heart that on that day, my brother, when my brother just darted out into the road, I believe with all my heart that in that instant, Jesus was on the other side of the road and he, Bobby just ran right into his arms. And he's been there ever since. And I'm going to see him one of these here days because I know where he is. He was an innocent child and God doesn't turn away innocent children. And he is there, and I'm thankful that I'll get to see him again. And that's been 53 years he's been gone. But when I was 13, the Lord prompted my parents, and this was so uncharacteristic for my parents, but um, it was right, I think, probably at the beginning of the Catholic charismatic renewal. And those of you who are old enough, me, you remember that that was an, a really um, different kind of time, especially for people of the Catholic faith, because it was uh, it was just so powerful, and people were realizing that they could be born again, that they could be filled with the Holy Spirit. And my parents heard about this Catholic charismatic retreat that was taking place a couple hours away from us, and. They went. And as a matter of fact, Dave's parents went as well, but we didn't know each other then. But I think they had a similar experience to what my parents had. And it wasn't until they came home that I thought, they're different now. And it's because they realized they met Jesus. They loved God, but they, but they met Jesus at that retreat. And um, they used from that point on, they were they had this this core group that had gone together to this retreat and they would have prayer meetings and they would meet together at least once a week. And I wasn't usually a a part of that. It would either happen um, at the church in the basement of the rectory, which is the house where the priest lives, or um, they would have it at different ones houses. And one night they had it at our house. And so I kind of hung out, you know, on the sidelines. And it was just really special hearing them pray and and hearing them speak in a language I didn't understand. And at the end of that evening, then I think they all moved into the kitchen and my mom probably had food for them. But one of the younger women uh, of this group sat down with me. I remember we were sitting on the steps. Um, between the living room and the bedroom floor. And she just explained to me like a friend that we can invite Jesus himself to come into our hearts and be Lord of our lives one-on-one. And that was apart from all of the dictates of the church and all of the obligations that we had in the church. And I just remember her talking to me. I don't even remember the words she spoke, but I remember it registered, not just here, here. And I went upstairs uh, to my room that night when I went to bed, and I closed the door. And I remember sitting on my bed in the dark, and I just asked Jesus to come into my heart. And 
this is kind of I I think it's silly now, but I was so ignorant of of all things spiritual at that point that I remember as soon as I asked him to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior, I prayed, but please don't show yourself to me because that'll freak me out. So I really thought the minute I get saved um, that Jesus is going to walk in the room and I'd be like, so now I'd be like, come on, you can come in my room. That would be awesome. But you know what? From that moment, from that moment to this, and it's been 50 years, I've never doubted that I was saved. Never. I know that I will be in heaven one day because Jesus is my Lord and Savior, because he died for me. If he didn't die for anybody else, he died for me. Amen? Um, and then two or three years later, I happened to be at a prayer meeting that was held in a Baptist church. Now, honest to goodness, I don't know how I got there. I don't know who told me about it. I don't remember anything about this prayer meeting, but that I was there. But the one thing I do remember about it is that at one point, um, the person who was conducting the prayer meeting gave an invitation for anyone who wanted to have hands laid on them so that they could be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and a Baptist church. That irony will not be lost on everyone. So, um, but I, I went forward and I can remember that this person laid hands on me and that there were people around me. And the next thing I know, I was saying something and I didn't know what I was saying, but sounds were coming out of my mouth and it wasn't a lot. There were, it was almost like just maybe seven or eight syllables. But I kept repeating it. And then what was really neat about that is the next morning, as I'm um, walking down my driveway to go to the bus to go to school, I thought about the night before, and I opened my mouth because I thought, I want to see if it's still there. And I, I opened my mouth, and I could still say those syllables. I was praying in tongues, but I didn't even realize the, the significance of it. But again, from that moment till this, I've never doubted that I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, that the Lord has filled me with his Holy Spirit, and that I can speak in a language I don't understand and bypass the enemy, because he's got no business and he doesn't understand what I'm praying, but the Holy Spirit does, and, and that has been such a gift. God protected me through my growing up years and all through college, even when I didn't realize it. And I think this was the time that I can say more than any other time in my life um, that I probably made some dumb choices and did some stupid things and maybe got myself in positions that I shouldn't have been in or in places I shouldn't have been in that things might have ended badly. But you know what? Even though I wasn't in that moment praying or even aware of God, he protected me. He protected me and he kept me. And I love that Psalm 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices and with my song I will praise him. He put faith in me for my three babies. Um, now, you know, I mean, those of you who know us know we have six children. I got to ha birth three of them and inherit three more. And I'm so thankful for all my family. But I can remember with each of my 
biological children, I had an opportunity to trust God because something either was wrong or could have been wrong with my kids. When I was pregnant with my daughter, Sarah, she's my oldest, six weeks or so before I was due to have her, suddenly, guys, I'm sorry, this is a gross female thing, but I had bleeding, like crazy bleeding. And you don't do that when you're pregnant. And um, it ended up that I went to the hospital and my doctor was there and, again, a Christian, a believer, and he checked me out. And he thought maybe the placenta had had gotten down there or something and it was going to be causing a problem. Placenta was way up high. Sarah was way up high. There wasn't an issue. It happened and it didn't happen again. And that was that. But all during that time, through every single one of my pregnancies, and this again is before I understood the importance of the words that come out of my mouth, the Lord just put it in me to, with each pregnancy, to say out loud multiple times a day, thank you, Father, that this baby will grow strong and healthy, perfect and whole and normal. And every one of them did. And I'm so thankful that even in my ignorance, he led me to do that. With my daughter, Katie, she's the middle one. And Katie, um, I nursed both Sarah and Kate. Well, I nursed all of the kids, but, um, Katie, it, for, for you moms, you know this, that if you're, you have a uh, nursing, a breastfed baby, uh, they poop a lot. And my Katie stopped doing that for nine days. And she was a newborn, like within the first few weeks of her life. That's not normal. And I rem- we went to the doctor. I took Katie to the doctor. And he examined her. And he said, well... Uh, I want you to do this, this, and this, but if it doesn't, if she doesn't start going like she's supposed to go, we may have to uh, do a colostomy. I'm thinking, this is a newborn, and you're, you want to put a, I just, it, it was overwhelming. And at that point, I just, again, I kept saying, Father, thank you that this child is perfect, healthy, whole, and normal, and, and just believing him, and, well, she became quite the pooper after that, let me tell you. And she's 35 years old now. Okay. And the last pregnancy. Are you tired of pregnant stories now? David, um, when I was pregnant with him, I was going through a lot of stuff, emotional stuff, um, because, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but my, my husband was in the process of leaving me. And so I was, I kept confessing health and wholeness over my baby. Um, but at one point, I had to, um, we moved from one area to another, and I had to switch obstetricians. And th- the new obstetrician looked at some of my blood work and said the results were abnormal. And um, so he wanted to do an amne- amniocentesis. And the first thing I said to him was, if this is to decide whether or not to do an abortion, then you can forget it, because an abortion is out of the question. I will never have an abortion. He said, okay. And we didn't do the amniocentesis. And David came out, 8 pounds, 15 ounces, uh, 22 inches long, and, and he's 6 foot 3 now, and he's, um, he's 34 years old. And he's got a couple kids of his own. So um, God was faithful to me, even in my ignorance. 
He's not looking for us to have the perfect words to say. He's not looking for us to follow just a formula. He's looking at our hearts. Are our hearts, uh, are they right toward him? Do we know that he is the one who gives us everything? If we do and we love him, then he's going to help us. He wants us to cooperate with him, right? And I will say that through separation and divorce, something I never thought I would experience, God made sure I had people around me who offered me support and especially exhortation. Um, what I didn't say was that my first husband was a minister, so I was a minister's wife. And so I had another good friend, another minister's wife friend, and we talked almost every single day on the phone. And I will never forget that she said to me, and that she may even not know that the Lord prompted her to say this, but she said to me, get into the word so that you can stand blameless before God. That was wisdom. And and I made sure that every day I took the time, whether it was when the kids were playing or sleeping, to to listen to a message, if I could, on the radio way back when, um, to read my Bible and to pray because I... I knew what was going on was wrong, and I didn't want to jeopardize my relationship with God because ultimately he was the most important thing to me. He brought some guy into my life, too, and um, who, was, who prayed for me like crazy and was 1,400 miles away from where I was. But And I'll talk about that in a second. Um, one of the cool things that the Lord did for me that when I was... Um, you know, becoming a single parent. Um, we were coming up on Christmas, and I remember asking my husband, um, I, I'm going to need some money f- to buy the kids Christmas presents. And he told me he would give me some, but he didn't. And um, one day, um, I heard steps, uh, feet on the, on the back steps by the kitchen of the parsonage. And someone knocked on the door, and I went and I answered it. And we had this retired gym teacher, PE teacher, um, an old spinster lady. And she was so funny because she didn't smile a whole lot. And she was all business. But she came to the door. She said, here. And I said, thank you. And she, she, But I noticed she had tears in her eyes. And when she left, I opened that envelope, and there was $100 in there. $100 was like a couple thousand to me now. I mean, $100 was a lot. And I had two little ones, and I was out to here with the next one. And I was able to buy Christmas presents for my children. He perfects those things which concern us. That's scripture, too, and I don't have that reference, but I'll get it for you. But beautiful things happen. And like I said, he brought Dave into my life. This was uh, interesting because I think I was probably eight months pregnant at the time, but I ran into his, not physically ran into his mother, but I saw his mom. I was out visiting my parents um, because I was living about 45 minutes away from my hometown, and we grew up in the same hometown, and I was over visiting my parents. I had the kids with me, and his mom came to my parents' house, and she just looked so dejected, and I said, Ruthie, what's the matter? Oh, my son in Florida, his wife left him, and he's got those three girls. She just walked away. And and you know what? At that moment, the Lord just moved on me because it wasn't a conscious thought. I said, well, he's a Christian, right? Oh, yeah, he's a good Christian. I'm not sure 
what a good Christian or a bad Christian is, but he's a good Christian. And I said, well, let me have his address. I'll write to him. Because honest and truly, it was just, well, I'm going through the same thing. At least I can pray for him. And But literally, there were no ulterior motives. There really weren't. But it seemed like there were afterwards. <laughs> so she got me his address. And I wrote him a letter. And I said, you don't know me. Um, but he had met my parents before, so I made the connection for him. And um, um, I just said, look, this is what I'm going through. Your mom told me what you're going through. I'll be praying for you. If there's anything specific I can pray for, let me know, and I will. Well, two weeks later, I got a letter back from him. And he almost threw my letter away because he said, that he was in the habit of getting home from work. And mind you, he's living as a single parent now, too, at this point. He gets home from work. He gets the mail out of the mailbox. He goes into the garage. He sorts through it. And what looks like junk mail, he just tossed in the garbage can. And he said, my writing was so neat, he thought it was computer generated. So that was the first compliment I got from him. But And then he looked at the return address. Uh, and I And my married name at that time was Barnes. And it was Michelle Barnes. And so he, but he thought it said Michael Barnes, and that was a kid in his graduating class, and he thought maybe it was something about a reunion. That's the only reason he opened it. And there I was. And, um, but I wouldn't have written to him if the Lord hadn't prompted me to do that. And he wrote back to me, and from that time, he didn't stop praying for me. I remember when I had my son, I wrote him a letter, and I said, there's a new man in my life. He's not very tall and he's bald and he doesn't have any teeth and I'm in love. And it was my son. And he and his daughter went out and bought a little outfit for him and sent it up. And So anyway, all that to say this, that 34 years later, we're together. The Lord, the Lord knew that both of us loved him and didn't, we really didn't have control over what we were going through. Because we learned, I think we both learned through this, you can't control another person's decisions or choices. But we still wanted to go on with God. And he knew that our children needed a mother and a father. And September, we were married 33 years. So I am so thankful for this one right here. Um, He has protected our children. There's a reason why I'm going on about, let me tell you what God has done for me. I'll get there. Don't give up on me. Um, He has protected our children uh, so many times and in so many ways. And I remember specifically one of our kids, um, she had moved to um, uh, up north a little bit out of the state. And she was going to school. But one thing after another, she wasn't really walking with God at the time. And um, she must have called me three or four different times saying, Mom, this is going on. She tell me what's going on. Would you please pray? I said, sure, I'll pray. But every time I did pray, I prayed, Father, your word says that the goodness of God leads men to repentance. So I'm asking you to be merciful to her, even though she's not walking with you, but demonstrate your goodness to her so that she's going to know exactly where this is coming from. And I'm still believing for her to come back, and she will. She'll come back to the Lord. But God did that. He did that in answer to my prayer. Um, 
2015, well, yeah, in 2015, we experienced something we didn't expect to experience. And not to go into any gritty details, but I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And we had to walk that out. But from the very moment that we knew something was wrong, we also got into agreement that the Lord would see us through this, that this would not be the end and that we're going to walk it through and God is going to get the glory as a result of this. And um, I can tell you that, first of all, just being diagnosed with this one, this is one of those silent ones that usually isn't diagnosed until it's too late. But I was diagnosed and it was early. And I'm so thankful for that. And he sent me to one of the best doctors for this kind. And he was, uh, he knew his business. And I was thankful to be there. Um, but a couple of things that were apart from all the medical stuff is, and I shared this a little bit with some of the, some of our church family this morning, but, um, the Lord made it possible for me to, to take advantage of a program at my work that's called Sick Bank. And I was out of work from March 3rd till the beginning of June, because I'm a teacher. And when I used up all of my sick time, I was able to take advantage of this Sick Bank and be out of work the whole time and not miss a penny of my pay. Thank God. Thank God. And at the time, Dave was working a particular shift, a uh, second shift, which, you know, that's a tough shift, but it made him available to be able to go with me to every appointment. He was there for me, and he could be, and even his, his supervisor was so good to him, saying, whatever you need, if you need to be out, whatever, um, the Lord just took care of everything through a horrible situation, and and I'm still here, and I'm so thankful, and it's because of God. There's no other way to say it. It's because of God. Amen. Give the glory to God. We um, We had decided we had started going to a church in 2012 that is some distance from here. And it was a long drive, like an hour and a half each way. And we did that for about five years. And I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a great church. And I'm so thankful for our time there um, because we've been wounded at some churches. And we had the opportunity to sit under the word and to have the opportunity to start serving again. And once you feel like um, you've been chewed up and spit out by ministers, you kind of wonder, God, do you even want to use us anymore? Is there anything that we can do for you? And so that was good for us. And we went there about five years, and then we just realized the drive is its just too much. So we stopped driving down there, but then we went to church in our living room, usually in our pajamas. That was me. Um, but we could watch a live stream of the service, much like you guys are watching the live stream for today. And we did that for almost four years. But at a certain point, the Lord started dealing with Dave. That uh, And in Hebrews 10.25, there's a scripture. And this is what the Lord started dealing with him, that we needed to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much 
the more as you see the day approaching. And we knew we needed to get into a local church. We wanted to be a part of a local body, to serve, to be connected with people. Um, that was just the desire of our heart. And we had longed for a full gospel church in this area, one that was similar to um, our, the legacy of our heritage of faith um, from Rama, full gospel word church. And I had looked for them before. We never found them. We tried a couple of churches. And um, we were all set to go to a denominational church. It was a Saturday the next day. And neither one of us were kind of crazy about that choice, but we were going to go. And Dave said out of the blue, why don't you go online and see if there's a Rama church in this area? And, of course, me. <laughs> I said, uh, I've done that before, and I didn't find anything. And he said, just try again. I wasn't on my iPad 60 seconds until the first church that popped up was Grace Harvest Church. And I looked, and I saw the name of the pastor, and I just started bubbling inside. But he didn't know that yet. And I said, um, didn't you have an instructor at Rama by the name of Horton? He said, yeah, David Horton, he was our worship instructor. I said, he's got a church in holiday. And then Dave came running out to, to look onto my iPad and we're looking at it where you would have thought someone gave us a new car or something because we were so excited. And I just remember him saying, well, I know where we're going to church tomorrow. And we did. And we've been here ever since. And so I'm, we are thankful to God because, listen, if you haven't visited this church yet, I'm glad you guys are, um, then you don't know. But this is a family. This is a family. And it's a good place to plug in. And there's a lot of love here. Amen. All right. I'm going to wrap this thing up. All right. So 1 Corinthians 14.26 tells us, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. And that just means or building up. So to build each other up. What has God done for you in your life? What are the things that you're grateful for that you know that it had to be God who did it? When we tell those things to other people, if we're telling them to Christians, it's building their faith. If we tell them to unbelievers, it's a sign to them. It's something that makes them think, wow, they've got something I don't have. Amen? In 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, and the, the message reads, But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Amen. And one more scripture I want us to look at, and that's Psalm 27. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6 and then 13. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat or to devour my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek. 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. And verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I have seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that's why I'm telling you what God has done for me, because I hope it will encourage you. Let's look for opportunities to say, that was God. Like I do in the morning when I drive to school, if it's still dark, but then the sun starts coming up and it's the most beautiful color. Every time I'm just like, you painted that for me. Thank you for that. And I believe he did. I believe he did. If we acknowledge him, the more we acknowledge him, he will acknowledge us. The more we honor him, he will honor us. Amen? All right. Um, we're going to pray, and then we're going to say goodbye to our um, our live stream friends. I hope you will come and visit us in church. We're here Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday at 10 a.m. Um, so join us, because this is a great place to be. And then we're going to do a little something-something with just the family. Okay? Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I pray that people were encouraged, that hearts were encouraged to look for you in every circumstance of life, to know that no matter how difficult things may be, you are always with us, ready to lift us up out of those circumstances. And I thank you for it, Father, and we give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day.